All right, here we are. It's cold. It's probably not cold where our guest is, but I know where Rudy and I am. It's cold. Uh, we are coming to you the week of Thanksgiving. Rudy's going to get a lot of recordings in this week because he opened up the floodgates and said he was available. We're going to do so much content this week, he's going to be sick of me. Uh, well, tonight, later on, on this episode, we have Paul Menser of the Belleville Stags from Missouri, the St. Louis area. Uh, but in the warm-up tonight, uh, we're going to say hi to, hey, let's say hi to me. I'm the Barrel Roller, your host. I'm a professional. Uh, my co-host <laughs> is... That's fine. This is Swap Box Prius. <laughs> I just love that you just want to jump right into it. And honestly, I do as well because uh, the warm-up is uh, particularly good tonight. So. Ru Rudy, who do we got tonight? Tonight, joining us all the way from the West Coast, we have David Blanchard. And uh, David, thank you so much for uh, being a part of uh, our little podcast here. Um, uh, Barrel Roller, won't you elaborate the listeners on uh, David Blanchard and, and how you came in contact with him and invited him to the podcast? Oh, easy. Uh, gentleman, captain of the Fillmore Fun Guy in Minnesota, uh, Mr. Bamer, uh, contacted me and said you should have this guy on and he sent me a link to the field of dreams report on facebook and uh i was like well yeah no brainer this is a subject matter every single person uh that listens to this podcast is going to want to know what comes out of his mouth especially with the future uh so we're not going to start in the future. We're going to start in the past, present, work our way to the future. But let's welcome in uh, to the show from the Field of Dreams report, David Blanchard. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, we are doing Fantastic. good. Are you currently good. in the city of Los Angeles? I, I am, actually. I'm actually north. Well, I'm technically in the city limits, but yeah, I'm in L.A. What is the and, current temperature? Uh, it's it's a comfortable. Uh, what is it out today? It's it's like it's about seventy degrees. Right? <sighs> so, yeah, yeah. That and that's chilly. That's chilly for for a little bit for out here. It was like it was a couple of nights where it was like forty five or fifty degrees, and I had the heat on. And I'm from upstate New York originally, and oh. I was used to all of that. Three years after I moved out of here. After I moved out to L.A., uh, my, my body acclimated to, to the new environment, and suddenly I felt cold at 50 degrees. I know, that's I'm, I'm such a wimp now. <laughs> well, <laughs> You've lost your edge, but it's okay. Rudy, uh, right. what's, the current, what's the current temperature in Columbus, Ohio? Uh, I think it's uh, 43 and then dropping to 25. Wow. I'm currently Ouch. at 32 degrees. Ouch. And it hurts emotionally more than physically. Uh, <laughs> David, uh, from what I've read on the Facebook page, um, you know everything about this site. Uh, how did you fall in love? You basically had to fall in love with the site to be doing what you're doing on this report. How, how did this happen? Well, in... Um... Well, for, for, for a number of years, probably for about six years, I, I knew in 2006 that the original diamond uh, had been left behind. I'd heard for a while it had been the original diamond uh, that was built by Universal for the movie had been left there. And 65,000 people a year from around the world 
were coming to visit. And in, in 2006, I think it was, Kevin Costner was there with his band and they did this, uh, was it the Netflix Rolling Road Show? And they were there performing. I'm like, oh my God, I, I have to go. So six years later, uh, I ended up taking a trip there. And of course, when you, when you, when you get there, the minute you uh, drive down the road and you go into the place, it was just like walking into the movie. It was so pristine and, and exactly like in the film. And, and frankly, that's Field of Dreams is one of my favorite movies of all time. So that was the catalyst, basically. Can I ask you what your relationship with baseball was uh, up until this point? Um, well, that's that's the interesting thing is that I, I enjoy baseball. I've never been a huge baseball fan, but I but I do enjoy baseball. It's kind of more about the American pastime going to a game and having, you know, a, a beer or a cola and a, and a hot dog and, uh, you know, rooting for your teams and whatnot. I'm, I'm not, I'm not hardcore by any stretch. One of the things that, uh, us vintage baseball players talk about when we talk about our visit to Dyersville is, uh, the unexpected emotional pull that a movie filming location has on a person. Cause you're like, uh, you know, very nostalgic about the movie. And if you love baseball, you're like, oh, this is so cool and everything. But we did, we do not expect to feel emotion when we're there. And it, and it does. I mean, it, it, it weighs heavy on you, the emotion. And, uh, so that's unexpected. Oh, yeah. Uh, is that how you felt, uh, being a fan of the movie and showing up there? I did, yeah. Um, I uh, was playing the the soundtrack. <clears throat> excuse me, I was playing the soundtrack in the car on the way over from the hotel <laughs> the very first time, and uh, I was actually listening to um, what was the name of that final track? And it was the final, the big climactic track for the movie, uh, when dreams come true. I can't remember it exactly. That's terrible, and I can't remember the name of that track from the soundtrack. Uh, we we forgive you. I was listening to that. Uh, makes me want to look it up, but I can't right now. Um, the uh it was it was sort of the final big climactic track on the soundtrack and and we pulled up and there was this big crescendo uh coincidentally uh listening to the soundtrack in the car right when we pulled up there was this big flourish and uh we pulled in parked the car and i just my mouth was just on on the on the on the ground because i was just amazed at at how exactly like it appeared in the movie for so many reasons you know because i i love the movie i love the message in the film the whole father son redemption that connection um and uh yeah i i got out of the car and uh, took um a glove brought a glove with me and suddenly i heard some guy back of me saying uh hey and i didn't know if he was talking to me and then he said hey again he's right in back of me and he was in a pickup truck and he goes uh is this he's and i turned around he's looking right at me and he goes hey is this heaven uh. and exactly like kevin Costner, <laughs> i just turned around and i said no it's Iowa. And he just waved and, and drove off. And then I went out to the field and I had my, my earbuds and I was listening to the, uh, to the soundtrack, continuing to listen to the soundtrack. And I just, I just started crying when I went out there because that movie just means so much on, on several different levels that I, I just was like, I, I was to tears, you know, uh, going there and, and just breathing it all in. So it was definitely a deep emotional sense that, that a lot of people get for a lot of different reasons also for the father and son connection uh love of the movie love of baseball uh yeah so that was that was my first experience and i you know we were there for probably like an hour and a half just taking everything in 
can you give us a quick rundown of what has happened with that field since it was left behind from the movie? I'm I'm assuming what you're about to say is something you've said a thousand times. So what is the quick history post movie? Um, it is, and hopefully I think I've managed to, to pare it down because <laughs> I've had people tell me, even people I meet that are new, like, you know, well, what, what is that about? And I'm like, let me think for a minute. Cause I've got to pare it down to like a couple of sentences as opposed to, cause there's so many details. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Essentially, uh, what happened was the, uh, Don and Becky Lansing, they, they owned the farm for, 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 well, for, it's been in the Lansing family for a long time. And um, they decided that they wanted to uh, sell the farm. They wanted to retire. And they put it out there for $5 million. This was in 20, uh, 2010, 2011. Uh, they put the farm up for $5 million. Uh, it sold for $3.5 million to a developer by the name of Denise Stillman from Chicago. She had worked in the uh, mostly in the medical field, uh, but she was now becoming a developer, and she wanted to turn... Well, she wanted to buy the property. They sold it to her with the plan that she was going to build um, 24 baseball diamonds, turned into a big baseball campus, almost like the new Cooperstown. Um, the problem is, is that the minute that she came in with this plan to the city and presented it, um, the corrupt members, and I will use that very specifically, corrupt members of the uh, local uh, city council with dollar bills spinning around their head, um, said, oh, wow, hey, we got to do whatever we can to ensure this is going to happen because this is going to be a big boon for our town of 4,000. It's a farming community of 4,000 people. Um, so in doing so, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't have any, I'm just getting over a cold. I don't have any water next to me here. Um, essentially, uh, what happened was with their dollar bills spinning on their head, uh, they decided to what ultimately became illegally taking away the right to protest this development they took it away from all these surrounding farmers and neighbors. Um, when that happened, that group of, of, of farmers and landowners all got together and they created this group called the Residential and Agricultural Advisory Committee, RAAC for short, and they sued the city of Dyersville to regain their law-given rights. At that same time, Denise Stillman brought a, a, a lawsuit against all of her neighbors, essentially to, to just shut them up to to scare them off uh, hopefully they go running for the hills but they did not do that and they continued to stay the course um and then we were off to the races that's not the end of the story but i mean that's kind of that's how everything started and then i was i had gone um i had been there in 2012 it was july of 2012 uh, where i what what i had just described about going out to the field and it being a very emotional experience and i knew this thing was happening and i went into town and uh uh, had my white socks cap on that I had bought in advance. And like, you, you went to the field today. Yeah. And we went to a restaurant. I said, yeah, it was so great out there. And this woman said, you know, there's a lot of people in town who are very concerned about this development happening and how is it going to affect uh, the land out there, the farmers, the city, uh, the whole thing. So when I got back, I looked more and more into this and I found the Facebook page uh, of this uh, woman Denise Stillman and her company called uh, well her company was Go the Distance Baseball, but the development was called All Star Ballpark Heaven, and uh, that's where I first really heard about this whole development. So, so obviously this kind of the beginning. obviously I would say that the things that you heard in town that day are what spurred you to take an interest in this uh, this subject matter. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I went over to the Facebook page of this all star ballpark heaven development and uh, uh, saw what they were going to do. There was a big artist's rendering up at the top of the Facebook page. And it was kind of like, where's Waldo when you're trying to find the, uh, the field of dreams movie site, it was like, it was very hard in this big sprawling complex. And I got on there and I said firmly, but respectfully, I said, Hey, I'm just concerned about this is going to change the whole sort of dichotomy, the atmosphere, uh, the ambiance of the place. It's one baseball diamond in the middle of Iowa farmland that goes all the way to the horizon. That's the allure. Uh, and, you know, why I'm just very concerned about this. And I posted a couple of comments. Well, they removed my comments and they blocked me from the page. Oh. So right after that, and this is just very randomly, I decided to create this Facebook page. The original name of it was Save the Field of Dreams. Later on, which is probably like uh, two years ago, I changed it to the Field of Dreams report. But originally it was called Save the Field of Dreams. And uh, yeah, and I was basically, I basically, what I would consider the uh, uh, presenting unfiltered news about what was going on uh, out there. Uh, so, so Major League Baseball comes in and builds a stadium. Uh, Rudy, how did you feel about it when you heard about that? And how do you feel about it now? And then we'll have David tell us uh, something about that. <laughs> uh, so uh, my first experience at the Field of Dreams was in the uh, mid-90s or early 90s. Um, uh, the Ohio Village Muffins took a trip out to the Field of Dreams. They're a vintage, uh, one of the, the first vintage baseball teams in the country. And um, it was a magical place. We had seen the movie. And it meant the place meant so many, so much to many people, one because of the movie, and two because of the allure that there's a baseball field in the middle of nowhere, and just being out there and looking, standing at home plate, looking out and just seeing corn, nothing else. That it's something that sticks with you and it lasts with you. It's 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 beautiful, and then when I heard they were going to put a major league ballpark in. I was hoping they were going to try and somehow incorporate the original field, but I realized soon that that wasn't going to be possible. So when I actually did see it, it's a little heartbreaking. I'm not going to lie. Um, we've uh, some, some teams in the community have made a recent visit out there and they posted all their pictures and the pictures are beautiful. It's just a different feeling because there's a picture from home plate looking out into the outfield and you see these huge stadium lights and you can see the structure of the stadium out there. And I, I don't want to take away from anybody's experience, but for me, that would lessen it a little bit. And, and having returned there, what was that barrel 2015? You and I went out there. Yeah. Something like that. Wow, yeah, and that, that was just a beautiful night. Like it was, it was a beautiful evening. The rain had stopped, and it felt like the universe had opened up the skies for us, so we could play baseball in the evening out there. It really had, it was something special. And I feel I'm I I personally feel like it's kind of lost that that thing that made it special. The more they develop it, that's what I feel. And uh, David, I'm sure that you are about to tell us just about the same thing about how you feel about that ballpark, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, tell us your perspective on that current existing ballpark. 
Well, I think, um, I mean, this, this was something that was all kind of a surprise without going into too much of, of backstory because it was, uh, what, 2019, uh, suddenly the news and social media exploded that, oh, they're going to build a, a temporary ballpark uh, about 100 yards or something like that from the original diamond. And, um, you know, after a number of years of the back and forth because I, I had been, you know, adminning this page and, and, and I don't want to say solely spearheading this cause, which was basically pushing the concept of, Hey, this is a very pristine place. Why do we have to essentially, uh, you know, pave over parking? Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, pay paradise to put up a parking, put up a parking lot. lot. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of really, that's that's a lot of it, but I mean, you know, initially it was also about how all of that was going to inflict uh, trouble upon local farmers, safety, the environment. Uh, uh, you know, th there's a whole there's a whole raft of of larger issues, but just in and of itself, as far as the field of dreams, it does take away, uh, it does diminish uh, the simplicity. And uh, I I felt that I had mentioned a couple of times way before this, and I and I feel still now with this course is too late. Um, is and there's and obviously there's a quick answer right after it that uh, that they the people who want to build this would say um, is why couldn't they take all of this and build it in a different part of town and have shuttle tours, bus tours, saying okay now we're going to go to the Field of Dreams where you go and take a bus and you're deep in the farmland and whoa, there's the field of dreams and it just appears out of the corner. You step out and you're like, wow, I really am in heaven. But now, as you said, um, when you're out there in, in, in the outfield, because I, I was there, by the way, for the, uh, uh, the Yankees-White Sox huh? game uh, in uh, 21. I was there last year and attended the game, um, which was amazing. Uh, I have to say it was, it was, it was a fantastic event. I, I can't say a negative thing about that because I think that went off really well. Costner, everything was such oh, an yeah. emotional thing. So I can't, I really, I can't put that down. They did a fantastic job with it, but it does come back around to, it's too bad that they couldn't have had that somewhere in town at a different location. And then you take the, the bus over and here is the pristine, but certainly they would say, yeah, but you don't have the marketing carrot of Field of Dreams being within sight. You know, they want to have it. So look over there. Oh, wow. But it it is taking away. And they continuously talk about, uh, the new owners, which of course one of them is is uh, Hall of Famer Frank Thomas, mm -hmm. um, you know they keep like saying whatever we do, you're it's not going to change the look and the feel of the field of dreams, and it's like you've already done that. You, that's that's a false statement. Please stop saying that because you've already taken <laughs> away, you already diminished. So, what's my opinion of this? Um, it, I think it's I think all of this is fantastic, just not right there. If it were somewhere else and there was a connection, you know, so I, I'm not putting down this business venture, just the location of it. Yeah. I, I would, I mean, honestly, it makes sense. Let's be honest, like to, because this would be a big boon for the community and, and, and of Dyersville, like the, right. the, the economic uh, ramifications would be uh, like immeasurable, honestly, if it was someplace else, be, I mean, because I also feel like when they say that it's not going to affect the 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 aesthetic or appearance or the feeling you get of the Field of Dreams, I feel like those people haven't actually been there prior to the new developments because they they don't really Correct. have that frame of rant reference. So 
I, I, I mean, so 100% agree. Could the community use it? Absolutely. Would it be better served someplace else tying in the original site without disturbing all the space around it that made it special? That could happen. But yes, I, sorry, I just, you spoke something to me that triggered me and I, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to agree. Oh, that's fine. But, but there is, I have to say, there is an interesting point about that uh, to the benefit of the community. Yes, there has been some, when, when these last, like now there's been two games there, uh, there has been a benefit to the community, uh, uh, some financially. But the one thing that was noted, and even when I was there last year, is that all of these people came in, they all drove in, they went to the game, and they left. They knew that there was uh, perhaps a, a, there's a, a brand new brewery that's downtown, which I went to last year. There's a museum, which is really, it's a small museum there, if, I don't know if you've been since they've opened that. Uh, that's really wonderful. It's a history of everything, and it's a really wonderful museum, and I've been there. But uh, I can't really say that there's definite figures about this, but talking to a lot of people in town, which I've continued to do, is that people drove into the event uh, and they had all their food and 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 uh, merch and everything like that it was all right there. And then when it was done, they left. A, a lot of people did not go to downtown Dyersville and the whole thought of, hey, this is gonna be great for the community. And now they're building a hotel. I'm sure you've heard about all this. They're building a hotel across the road. No. So that's, uh, I'm sorry, across so that's where we're going yeah. with this they, is currently right now, yeah. right now, as we speak, no. they're raping the land around the field that we love so much to do, to you, destroy you it's, put it that way. Yeah. It, they're <laughs> destroying it. I mean, in my, this is my opinion. They're destroying it. I mean, it's, yeah, I could, I could have dealt with the ballpark. out that they played one major league baseball game at once a year. I I would have lived with it and I'd have been okay with it, but what they're currently doing, which is what the next question is for you, David, what they are currently doing is an abomination and is going to totally kill the aura of the place. And I have heard so many vintage baseball players say that they're not even scheduling to go back in the future because it's going to be ruined. They feel so, David, as we speak, they're ripping up land. I know that. <laughs> what is their plan uh, totally for the very soon future? Okay. Well, what they're doing right now, they started uh, at the very end of September. To They've they, they begun um, uh, uh, turning around to build nine baseball and softball diamonds that are to the north of uh, the Field of Dreams movie site. <clears throat> Excuse me, they want to do that. While well, they're doing that, uh, I'm trying. one of the local residents has, uh, one of the farmers there, uh, he has a couple of drones and we're trying to work out for him to fly over what they're doing because there's been no real large scale view of what, what exactly does the place look like right now. So we're trying to work out flying some drones over to get some footage of that for the page. But you know they want to build uh yeah they're now they're building nine baseball diamonds but they also they're going to build a hotel as i just mentioned right across on the other side of lansing road uh it's going to be like 135 rooms um you know how that uh you know right before you get to as your lansing road you turn in that little that little dirt road that leads directly to the field and you go mm -hmm. over a bridge goes over a creek right before that bridge on the left there's going to be an amphitheater with seating for events that are going to happen there. Uh, yes. Yeah. 
Um, they want to put in, they want an RV. They're going to put in an RV park. They're going to put in uh, a picnic area. They're going to put in jogging, tr running, walking trails. Um, they want to have, you know, team facilities and Olympic pool and uh, what? What am I leaving out? And the kitchen sink. Yeah, yeah. This they they are doing all of this. If you you yeah do. And they, uh, and this take a look online and you'll see there are some uh, drawings. There's actually I actually have the uh, uh, the artist rendering and more information uh, on uh, my Facebook page on save. Or I'm sorry on the the Field of Dreams report Facebook page that has the artist rendering and all the rundown uh, of what they're doing there. But that's also online and on their Field of Dreams movie site website they talk about it. They obviously think that doing all of this is going to increase. Uh, the numbers of people coming, it's going to increase revenue with all this extra stuff. And it probably will. Cause there's going to be so much more stuff added onto it, but, um, exactly. Yeah. But it's, uh, so they'll always in the future be able to point to numbers and say, see, yeah, but, but they, it sounds like <laughs> they've created an, an isolating economy for themselves and not this town of Dyersville with like yes. the people being able to show up, purchase all of their food and all of their needs at this location and not the town and then bail leaving the town with, with nothing, but having to deal with all of this yes. traffic and all of the, the, I, that is this, I am floored. Oh my God. Exactly. That, that is the, that is clearly what they're going to, what they're looking to do is to make it. So they are all inclusive. You can go and stay there. All your food is there. Facilities, uh, merch, uh, you know, because they have the baseballism store that they built in place of the old uh, small small town uh, souvenir stand. They tore that down, and they have this big baseballism stand. And of course, you know, you can go in there and buy T-shirts for thirty-five and forty dollars. You can buy hoodies for eighty dollars. And there's very little. There's no Field of Dreams merch in that store. It's all baseballism. If you want Field of Dreams merch, get onto their website. Um, so they're kind of they're replacing. You know, it's it's really like Field of Dreams is like, hey, we've got this and we've got the MLB stadium and we got these camps and, and these baseball diamonds. Oh, and Field of Dreams is, is oh, remember that? Oh, that's over there. It's kind of like dot, dot, dot. And and also that's there. So the, the town is hoping, oh, we're going to make all this money. But no, people are going to go there. They're going to stay there. They're going to eat there. Uh, and uh, and that's how it's going to go. And all of this, by the way, is expected to be completed by 2025, which includes hotel across the road. So they're yeah. about to learn a valuable lesson. And that lesson is less is more because there are, they are going to hear so many negatives from this, not just from the town. The town is probably going to be uh, upset for years. They're never going to get over this emotionally. You know, they're always going well, to have they a hassle. They didn't get over. They weren't, they, they didn't get over what happened the last time when, when, the developer Denise Stillman, who, who uh, previously owned it, um, you know, when she sued all of her neighbors, and like that became one of the biggest controversies in, in Iowa history. Um, that the, her, her, you know, the, her and the neighbors against one another, and the city council and everything, and uh, you know, that all just became a big, uh, yeah huge conflagration it turned the town upside down with divisiveness and there's a lot of people that are now going in town that are now saying oh my god here we go again only it's going to be worse what's happening now is the last thing i'll say what's happening now is 
this whole MLB thing and the expansion one out, this is making the previous plan that started in 2011 look like some little second rate kitty kitty <laughs> uh, carnival show that comes into town for two two nights. By comparison, <sighs> could you like the the neighbors, the neighboring uh, individuals from the original site, like those are operating farms that like support the livelihood of those people that own that land correct correct that's correct yes yeah they're they're farmers there's a lot of that's a farming community a lot of farmers landowners and uh the if if i may the the, the previous uh one of the previous issues is that the the denise stillman when she had purchased the land originally and came in she was telling uh, well, in part, she was saying to farmers and local landowners, okay, here's here's a list of things you can't do during the summer when our tournaments, because this is all for for youth teams to come in and play, and it continues to be the case, um, that, hey, you know, you, you can't do manure hauling, and you can't do aerial spraying, and the aerial spray companies would s go to the farmers and say, we can't do this because there could be lawsuits because these kids could get sick. So this is, people might say, well, that's minor, but these are the people who feed us these farmers and they could have, you know, their businesses could have potentially been damaged. And now there is a concern again by the farmers of what's going to happen as far as, you know, again, the environment, safety, they have uh, slow moving farm vehicles out there, particularly during harvest season, which has been now, but I mean, just in general, where there's people from out of town. And I've heard this numerous times where there could have been accidents because people are honking their horn, they want to go around the farm equipment and they hit somebody or maybe the farmer or whatever. I mean, there's, there's a lot of little things in this, but um, yeah, if, if, and if anybody says anything, because I hear people saying, you know, the whole town, I mean, the people who are, who are now the owners and the staff mm -hmm. there are like, oh, the whole town is behind this. I talk to people in town. I have numerous people that I talk to on a regular basis and the whole town is, there's some who love the idea there's some who think this is horrible. So it, it really is. It's a mixed bag. And so just for our community out there, everybody listening, like um, they can get updates on this situation and find out what's really happening. Uh, if like a, an easy one is to go to the Facebook page, uh, the Field of Dreams report. Is that correct? Correct. On on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's I'm, I'm, I'm posting on there regularly. Um, with updates, I have a, there's a couple of new posts, a couple of articles uh, uh, recently that I found from from a couple of months ago that talk about how COVID relief money was turned around and uh, that came into Dyersville, came into the community and, and Iowa, were turned around and used to help uh, make all of this happen. And uh, these are sort of government watchdog groups that are saying, uh, first of all, that's wrong. And second, I mean, they are getting funding from Iowa government, the government's uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, governor's office and so forth. But, um, you know, there's there's COVID relief money that went into pushing this through. And those same government um, watchdog groups and, and people connected with them are saying, and by the way, it doesn't look like this, it, you know, the, the, the uh, what is it? What's the word? Um, uh, that's good. I'm, I'm freezing on that. The, um, <laughs> Uh, uh, it, it's kind of almost a regular thing that uh -huh. any any facility of this type uh, nine times out of ten doesn't make it. Uh, there are people out there that have done studies and have said, "Look, this thing is happening in Dyersville. 
and uh, it's this is not likely to survive. And actually, I, I agree with them. They're going to come in and try and get what they can. Uh, it's way out in the middle of Iowa farmland, uh, but they apparently are trying to make it so everybody can come there and you know be all inclusive uh, with the amenities. So, wow. yeah. All right, David. Uh, but, thank, but, thank you yeah. so much uh, for joining us. Uh, we there are so many people listening uh, as we're not live. This is being uh, released later tonight, but so many people are going to be well upset because not everybody knows this information, and uh, there's going to be some hurt feelings, unfortunately, around the holiday season for the vintage baseball community. But uh, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge. I anticipate uh, Vintage Ballists coming on and liking your page and and staying up to date with uh, all of your information. I did read that article that you're referring to. So uh, we thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, make sure you have a happy Thanksgiving, sir. I I, I encourage everybody to get out there and follow the page and stay up to date. And David, thank you so much for all the work you're doing. We really appreciate it because it's a really special site to many people. So thank you. Absolutely. And thanks for, uh, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it and kind of getting the word out there and, uh, and chatting with you guys about all this. All right. Absolutely. All right. You take care of yourself. David, you have a fantastic night and uh, we, we will definitely be checking back in with you just to just get updates and stuff. So thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. Hey, you have a good night. All right. You too. Thanks. All right. Uh, That put me in a bad mood. Not because. Oh, sorry. I was muting because I'm so angry. (laughs) I need a palate cleanser. (laughs) I, uh, I, I knew a great guy. No, he's fine. He was great. Yeah. And so knowledgeable and knew everything. You know, he didn't have to think about anything. Uh, no, a great guest, terrible subject matter, yeah. like so depressing. Is Paul here? Yeah. You know, yeah, Paul is here. Let's get the palate <laughs> quizzer in the room. <laughs> that was, Paul, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure on Paul. There's <laughs> great point. Oh, hi, Paul. Hey, Barrel Roller, how are you? Good. You're currently being recorded, just so you know. That's good to know. I appreciate the uh, warning. Uh, we <laughs> just we just finished our interview with David Blanchard of the Field of Dreams report. Rudy, Paul came in here with no mustache. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> I heard that we were interviewing a mustache. I was going to interview his mustache. I had questions for that mustache. <laughs> I'm sorry to surprise you, gentlemen. Uh, it, uh, in my advanced playing age, uh, I needed a little more aerodynamics, so uh, lost it. A, lost it a few matches ago. It's there's one on the wall for posterity. There we go. <laughs> I like it. So if you go through the uh, the pictures of Paul Paul Menser, am I am I pronouncing that right, Menser? Yes, that's a that's a very good pronunciation. Thank you. Uh, Rooster, I believe, is your vintage baseball moniker. You are correct, sir. Two, two for two, two for two. Uh, a member of the Belleville Stags uh, Vintage Baseball Club. Is that correct? Indeed it is. So, 1,000. No, I'm stopping. 
That's it. No more questions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you go on Paul's Facebook page, and I believe we have 182 uh, same friends, uh, you go through his pictures and you will see why I was going to interview his mustache. It's glorious. Uh, do you do you shave that in the off season? Uh, it it went away about a year and a half ago, and I, for lack of better reasons, I had trimmed it down and I wasn't comfortable with it, so it completely went away. I'm at a point where starting from scratch is just going to be the best thing to do. Uh, to really bring it back out. Well, this has been an interview a year in the making, Rudy, and I'll tell you why, because I did not share this with you. Uh, We have not hit the St. Louis area yet. I have not, in the 171 episodes we've done, we have not done anybody around the St. Louis area. But a year ago, so that would have been season two, I contacted Paul, and I'm like, I know. I've seen pictures of Paul. I've heard of the Belleville Stags, even though I've never had any direct contact with them uh, playing against them or anything, but uh, in another red and white uniform, because we love red and white and vintage, everybody does. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, I contacted him. We we went through the very beginning process of setting up an interview, and then there's no messages. So I, a couple weeks ago, I'm like, you know what? We haven't hit the St. Louis area ever I should get a hold of Paul. Like, I didn't remember I had that idea already. So I go in to message Paul and I see all my messages to Paul a year ago. I'm like, I've already done this. And I totally let him down. So here we are a year you later, Paul. <laughs> you didn't let me down, Barrel Roller. I was just playing hard to get. That's all it is. Uh, that's right. Well, that's right. Uh, we got a lot more listeners now. So it worked out for you, it works out for everybody. You know, back then, back then, you were dealing with li- having people in the hundreds listen to you, and now we get to say things like thousands. So that's globally. That's, people are going to hear this. That's amazing. Congratulations on building up your your listener network, and thank you for teeing off a discussion uh, about the St. Louis area with me. Um, it's this is a neat place to live. Uh, I've, I've lived uh, in Iowa. I've lived in um, Texas before. Um, and uh, But been back here for 19 years. And um, it's where I call home. Um, I'm, I married a, a wonderful girl from Wisconsin. And uh, my, my in-laws and, and married, married and family are up there. Um, so we travel a little bit back and forth to Wisconsin and we, we lived in Dallas, uh, in Carrollton, Texas, but, uh, St. Louis is home. Uh, I'm on the South, uh, Western, uh, side, Southwestern Illinois. So we're just 15, uh, minutes from downtown St. Louis and, and Belleville is the uh, county seat for St. Clair County. Um, Belleville's kind of centrally located when you think of the the Southern uh, Illinois clubs and and then the St. Louis uh, clubs that are across the river. We we kind of landed in a sweet spot um, right here in Belleville, and so <clears throat> it's a it's convenient for teams from east and west to join here. Tell us uh, tell us about the Belleville Stags uh, for those listening that aren't familiar with your club at all, like me. Sure, sure. 
Well, uh, you know, you'll see stag gear uh, and, and stag logos um, that are historically uh, significant. Uh, in 1860, there were somewhere around 12 breweries in the corporate city limits of Belleville, Illinois. Uh, it was a German immigrant town and um, the uh, brewing heritage here was the, the longest brewery in town uh, was Stag Beer, Stag Brewing. So you'll see on the back wall and uh, on some of our gear, the, the font uh, that we share with Stag Beer logos. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's what we picked up on. There was a Class D minor league affiliate in the 30s uh, that you know, they were sponsored by the brewery. And uh, they played. Uh, they played as part of the Browns and part of the uh, Cardinals organization. Uh, there were some beer league softball guys that were called the Stags for a little while, but uh, our founder, Dutch, who you're friends with on Facebook, many many listeners are. Uh, he he created the Stags um, with respect to our hometown and the brewing heritage and the beautiful logos that they have. And, and um, I guess we, we just finished our 10th season. So, you know, this, the stags were his brainchild. Um, I got to be a charter member. Uh, his daughter and my daughter uh, both played uh, softball in a, in uh, the Belleville Corey league. And uh, we met, we met through that um, bat and ball sport before uh, before I knew anything about vintage baseball. And Todd uh, introduced me to uh, the Stags and, and went out and fell in love with their uniform and bought them a bunch of beer and wouldn't let go. And uh, here we are. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way to join a team. The picture, <laughs> the right. picture I was sharing on social media of you, and I think you saw, is you in catcher's garb. It looks like 1880s baseball. It, what year do you guys play generally, and do you play everything? We generally play 1860 rules. Thanks for uh, you know taking that picture. That was taken at French Lick, Indiana, down in southern Indiana, where the uh, Blues host a, a pretty well uh, annually host a, a get together, uh, two day event on the historic grounds of the West Baden Hotel. It's super cool and beautiful you talk about enchanting places to play it's it's one of them mm -hmm. um it's in september with the uh, fall foliage and the backdrop of uh, an early turn of the century high roller hotel that had uh gosh its own golf course its own velodrome its own baseball uh fields they hosted um they hosted spring training for the Cubs before they won their first World Series, uh, they had the the Pirates, the Cardinals, the the Reds, um, the uh, White Sox. So a lot of baseball history on those grounds. And that picture was taken uh, uh, when we when we had an opportunity to play White River. And it's interesting you mentioned you know what years were as we prepare for 2023, um, we're going to play some 1880s um, full catcher gear, 
um, the, the partial gloves. Uh, we're going to do some multi-year events. Uh, the guys up in Bloomington, Illinois, are, uh, have, have been playing some golden era games. Um, we've had one like 1915 match here in St. Louis. So the topic of town balls come up. We may try that <laughs> in 2023. That'll be a trip. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward, <laughs> looking forward to it. You know, we call ourselves just, you know, formative baseball, uh, typically play 1860, uh, other clubs in the area, uh, sometimes do 58 and sometimes we play 64. Like when we've gone to, uh, down to Tennessee, we have played uh, 87 uh, rules uh, in Michigan. Um, Stags had a notorious trip up to uh, Greenfield Village at one point in time. Uh, <laughs> notorious, and then only three Stags made the, the trip, <laughs> and okay. we were uh, we were joined uh, by the Franklins, and uh, as you all know, uh, Scrappy's team and Hatchet's team and we had to come up with some type of explanation why there are three stags on the field when we were the featured club. So Duke, uh, Jim Biggs, uh, and I over a couple of cigars and some whiskey came up with a story of how the stags were coming out of Cleveland on a steamboat. And as we were enjoying our evening cigar on the upper deck, things just blew up. And uh, the steam steam engine blew, and we lost the majority of our club. Dutch uh, clutched onto a, a whiskey barrel. Uh, he he drank the contents to survive and uh, floated to shore. Uh, but Stella and Duke and Rooster made it to Detroit uh, and were able to play. So see, I hope everyone <laughs> listening is taking notes because that is an acceptable excuse for missing a vintage baseball event and match that right there that is the that is the level we all should strive to achieve ladies and gentlemen so when it, you when you have ahead. when you have a, a, a extraneous circumstances like that you know uh, the club just j the club just couldn't quite be there yeah anyway yeah thank you i appreciate that rudy that's a vintage baseball epidemic the club just can't be there. Uh, happens <laughs> every weekend, multiple times, somewhere all over. Uh, you brought yeah. up the town ball. Uh, Paul, you might not know this, but you can go back in the Roller Elderborough archives and listen to our fifth most downloaded episode ever when we, uh, we talked to uh, Daniel Jones from 21st Century Town Ball. Uh, talking about did daniel present at the bbba conference in 2022 earlier this year yep okay so dutch hooked up with them and that's you know they're that's where we are taking this into 2023 thank you for uh giving me that source so i can pass it on to to todd yeah it was uh it's labeled as roller alta barrel extra number four released on March 30th, 2020. So, uh, uh, we, we've had the opportunity as the Capitals to play one town ball match in Gettysburg with the, the Philadelphia, Philadelphia athletics. And it was, it's something that is still stuck with us today. We are striving desperately to get a town ball match here in Columbus, Ohio, because it was so much fun. So I'm really excited for y'all. We hope it takes off. 
Rudy, your brother has played for the Stags. I don't know if he shared that with you, if you recall. Oh, I recall. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, every team that my brother plays for, we we as a family collectively hear about it. So because it, <laughs> there used to be a competition between him and my father who played for the most teams. And and Ian surpassed dad a, a few years ago. So, it, yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a, a an honorary stag. I don't I don't want to put that moniker on him, but, you know, he's he was he's pretty excited about it. He had a chance to play in Lafayette Square Park, which is uh, just an absolutely beautiful park uh, in South St. Louis City. Um, and w- you just you can't get enough of the history surrounding that particular park. The 1860 buildings uh, are many of which are fully restored. Uh, the Civil War era cannons. Uh, I think there's a statue of General Benton. It, it's a beautiful venue to play it at in St. Louis. Ian, more like an honorary member of the Capitals. Uh, <laughs> he never listens. That's a good joke. He'll he, never get that. <laughs> he, he he plays the same amount of games for just about seven teams during the season, wouldn't you say? <laughs> let, let me ask you this. Well, if you... he went into the Hall of Fame, what hat would he wear? Well, let's just take the Capitals. <laughs> take the Capitals and Muffins out of it. Rudy, if you took the Capitals and Muffins out of the equation, what hat would Ian Frias wear into the Hall of Fame? Something blank, right? <laughs> Just be a baseball. Um, I would say uh, it would probably be like a Minnesota because he's always playing for Minnesota at the Ohio Cup. Oh, so it's got to be like a Minnesota the club. Union, maybe. Hey, I've been there. I've, I've been a part of the Minnesota Union. Uh, Corky Gaskill had uh, Dutch and Mule and myself uh, suit up and play for them in, at Ohio. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the the Stags have officially played in Ohio at the Cup, but we we infiltrated as part of the union, <laughs> and in the All Comers match on Friday before that, we snuck in with our Stag uniforms. Heck yeah! Found, found it on the uh, the Ohio Village uh, promo picture too. We got we were we were pretty well placed on it. That's a pretty good placement. You're, you're, yeah, you guys, you guys made you. I like how you snuck in there. That's how you do it on the all comers match. That's it. So I, I completely understand. Hey, Paul, you were talking about the event that the, the Blues put on. What is the big event in the St. Louis area that you guys all look forward to every year? Well, we call it, uh, it's very original. It's called the St. Louis Cup. Ooh. Um, the, uh, St. Louis Brown Stockings uh, have hosted this event, I want to say seven years now, somewhere in the, in the realm of six or seven. And it's always in the, the later weekends of July. Uh, we, we crank it up real nice and hot. I know the heat index was over 100 this past year, uh, just to, to weed out the folks that, you know, give us a competitive advantage. Uh, and we play in, play in Forest Park, St. Louis Cup. Um, I jotted the, the dates down. Um, it's July 29th, um, in St. Louis, St. Louis in Forest Park. Um, we couple that with a, a, a baseball, a Cardinals game on a Friday night this year in, or in 2023, we'll have a, a Cardinals and Cubs matchup at Bush stadium on Friday night, the 28th. And then, uh, Saturday, the 29th 
everybody plays at least three matches. Some teams opt out and say, hey, we want to do two. But Tony and uh, Tony Lightning Wicker, the uh, captain of the St. Louis Brown Stockings, is always looking to invite folks in. Uh, we've had Tennessee, Boston, Wisconsin uh, have all made appearances there that I can think of off the top of my head. But um, And then what's special to the Stags on that weekend because we just can't get enough baseball uh, on Sunday, any team that say is traveling East uh, uh, that would be going back home, like the Tennessee guys, um, the, uh, I think they were the Highlanders at one point in time, but uh, black bottom nine came in and played because they were going to skedaddle East uh, Sunday morning. We always play a, a nine round match and put out refreshments for everybody before they go home. And uh, that's at Moose Meadow. We, uh, the stag, when you talk about the history of the stags, it, it's, it would be, um, it would be horrible to me not to mention the Belleville Swansea Moose Lodge 1221. Um, they have some, some nice property right off of Highway 159 in um, Swansea, Illinois, which is where several of us uh, live. Uh, and they have an open field, which at one point in time, it hosted uh, baseball and softball matches. So it's got a backstop. It may not be the most historically accurate, but it is a nice open field. And with that, uh, many of us joined the, the Moose Lodge when we started up the Stags. And they've given us a place not only to hang our hat, but literally provide uh, outdoor restrooms and refreshments in the social quarters. And if we have a, a team or a couple of teams coming in, they'll, they'll cook us up some pork steaks and, and or cold cut sandwiches if it's extremely hot. So the, uh, the Stags spend uh, their home matches or play their home matches at Moose Meadow in Swansea. And so when you talk about the St. Louis Cup, we always grab onto a, a team or a couple of teams. We have the ability to play two fields simultaneously there. So we that, can invite, yeah. I mean, I, I just pulled it up on Google Earth and like both locations that you mentioned, the Forest Park and, and uh, Moose Park right here in Swansea, these are amazing locations for vintage baseball. And like, because like, you know, when you're putting together an event as, as with, you're going to invite multiple teams, you want to make sure there's going to be ample parking for people. And then you want to make sure that you have enough room to put fields in these things. Oh my goodness. Like I, in Columbus, Ohio, a location like that would be soccer fields immediately. And then I would, <laughs> I would just be angry because I could never use them. So uh, good on y'all. Bitter party of one. Well, <laughs> we we got mad at some little league football guys that would leave trash and garbage all over our uh, moose meadow beloved meadow but uh yeah we're right off the metro link which is a light rail system that runs from scott air force base to the east all the way out to lambert field uh in st louis to the west so if you come into town and you want to ride the most economical way of getting around town you can do that we've got parking restrooms uh kitchen facilities um yeah we can host 
two, uh, four clubs and play two matches simultaneously at Moose Meadow. And as far as uh, Forest Park, uh, it, it's an amazing, uh, you know, the, the 1904 World's Fair was held there. Uh, the, the Muni Outdoor Opera is there. We, Tony sets up. And, and as the local St. Louis clubs, we each one takes responsibility for a field. Uh, he has at least three, if not four fields running simultaneously throughout the day. And he hosts 15 clubs in one day. So it, it's no small event. Um, and as you guys know, logistically, you, you've got to have all hands on deck. They feed everyone. Um, he makes sure that the teams are rotated so you're not playing, you know, two clubs that would play each other normally at home. He'll try and mix that up. Um, the uh, parking and uh, fields are always in very good condition over at Forest Park. So talk to Tony Lightning Wicker. He is a VBBA uh, uh, trustee, I believe. And he's the captain of the St. Louis Brown Stockings. If you're interested to come to the uh, St. Louis Cup end of July, looks like the 28th, 29th, and then 30th um, here in St. Louis. Yeah, we're always looking for places because we started last year, started to do play-by-play uh, with some color. And then uh, we also, at the very end, uh, played around with adding video uh, and then putting that audio on top of the video. And we're really going to play with throwing up a lot of vintage baseball uh, facts and stuff on our video presentation. So everybody can go to our YouTube page. And I think we do have our first match that we kind of just messed around with it. Uh, we got Rudy on the pitching stripe with, you know, we're talking to him because he had a, uh, an earpiece in. So, uh, we did some in-game commentary. It was really great. Uh, so we're going to mess around a lot with that. So since I retired from active play, uh, I'm always looking for where I'm going to go. And right now my schedule only has the sulfur Dell cup on it for sure. Uh, and it might have the Ohio Cup if the Ohio Cup is the week before Sulphur Dell, like it was this last year. Uh, so I'm eyeing up the St. Louis area at the end of July right now. I mean, honestly, with the exception of the extreme heat at the end of July, <laughs> like this is you have situated yourself into a really nice pocket where. There's not, I mean, there's not a lot vintage baseball-wise, event-wise happening in that time frame. Because I'm mean, speaking solely from Ohio and the Midwest, like it's right in between uh Akron Cup, Gettysburg, and the World Tournament. So like it's a not I mean, I'm I'm I don't know if you know this, but I have been writing notes down furiously oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. because I want to make sure I get all the information out because I think all of our listeners. I mean, this sounds like an amazing opportunity to play some vintage baseball in a new location that people don't normally go to, especially if you're in the state of Ohio. Yeah. 15 field, 15 clubs. Uh, and I, I know three fields for sure, if not a couple of more. But uh, yeah, it, it, and there's a lot to do in and around St. Louis. You know, Great Zoo, the Arch Grounds. 
which there are some games being played at the Arch. But when you travel in, um, those of us that have some time and can take a, a long weekend, a Friday night, a Saturday, and a Sunday, uh, really make it worth the trip. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, in the Midwest, tell me if I'm speaking out of turn, Rudy, but Michigan and Ohio clubs don't even talk about the St. Louis area as far as scheduling. I mean, I've never heard it even come up as. It has been a regret of my uh, my managerial career that I have yet to make it out there. Um, I have I've been in talks with the 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 Indie Blues and 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 we've played uh, many clubs from St. Louis, but we've never made the trip. And yeah, you're a correct barrel roller. It is, uh, it is something that is severely lacking between the two states. Uh, travel uh, out west because usually Midwest clubs, when they go that far, they just go straight to the Field of Dreams, which we've already talked about. But like, there's a lot of vintage baseball happening on the way. So this is, <laughs> I don't know if Paul signed on to be the ambassador. Uh, for this episode, but I'm so glad uh, that you are getting the opportunity to enlighten the community about what, what is happening. I, I, I'm happy to talk about it. Um, it's been uh, a lot of fun hosting clubs um, in from out of town. Um, every, every, everybody can see teams that exist, you know, digitally uh, on Facebook you can hear a broadcast, you can maybe get over to the Ohio Cup, but to come and see um, a historically significant park and, and meet people and have an opportunity to interact at a at Bush Stadium, at a, at a ball game, a major league ball game, everybody loves to go, right? Cubs, Cardinals this year, uh, typically it's been uh, Cubs, or excuse me, Cardinals and Reds, um, but, uh, you know, have a beer on Friday night with the guys from Boston in Bush Stadium, then meet them in St. Louis uh, in Forest Park the next morning, play a match. Actually, it was in the afternoon. We finished the day playing the uh, Boston Club. And then the next day hosted Menominee, uh, the Blue Caps at Moose Meadow, uh, along with the Tennessee uh, Hog and Hominy Nine, who were playing the uh, St. Charles Explorers. And uh, you get a chance in that, uh, in that course of a weekend to get to know guys uh, that you may not have an opportunity to talk to them uh, while you play, or they've got to pack up and go if you're at another venue. This, this, long weekend gives you that chance to get to know somebody and form some lasting uh, friendships. Absolutely. I mean, and that's what it's all about. Let's be honest. That's why we do what we do. We spend our summers traveling across the, you know, the country to do. That's exactly the reason right there. You hit the nail on the head. So you have the opportunity to uh, meet and play uh, with the Lafayette Square Cyclone. Chris uh, Dugan, or Bookworm, uh, is their captain. Um, we've also had in the St. Louis area the unions, uh, the Perfectos, the Explorers, 
you know, those were, those are all St. Louis area entities. Um, there's been some contraction, the explorers and the perfectos joined, uh, this past season and, um, um, also on the Illinois side, the, uh, long nine and out of Springfield and also the, um, oh gosh, uh, the rock Springs ground squirrel, excuse the me. The rock Springs ground squirrels. I haven't heard that name in years. Absolutely. Yes. The, uh, oldest club in, in Illinois, um, they're out of Decatur and, uh, have, have some wonderful, players there um april and uh come on mama and uh, zuni prosim are their uh husband and wife uh captains um you know they're they're always willing to to come down and join in a match if if uh, just to play for fun um in the st louis area we also do something that's unique uh, is, is what we call a season opening and a season closing all comers match. That's known as the goodwill match. And I had to get some counsel on this going into, uh, uh 10, 10 or 12, 10 seasons ago or 12 years ago. Uh, do I need to bring some old cleats and make a donation? You know, <laughs> what are we talking about here, Dutch? And he's like, no, it, we're spreading goodwill. Hey man, Let's dust off the spikes. Good to see you. Let's open up the season early um, and let's finish it out. Um, same, same thinking. And uh, we've got that uh, kind of tradition here in St. Louis where you meet and it's an all comers. You, you get two or three teams. We've had as many as 40 people on St. Patrick's Day come out and um, play. Uh, sometimes we've got a team in the field, a, a team at the dish, and a team on the coolers. Uh, but it seems to work out. Everybody has fun. I'm looking at your schedule but, for yeah, this, this last year, and that Goodwill match happened on March 26th. What was the temperature on March 26th? Um, it was, it was, uh, at that, at that stage of coming out of the winter season, if it's 40 degrees, we think it's tropical, you know? So no matter if it takes a, a hand warmer or if scoops around, you probably have a, a bottle of Jameson uh, that gets passed around. But I, I remember, uh, there was one of the Detroit early risers who was in town who came down and played in, in, uh, our goodwill match. Um, Daniel Lazat uh, is his name, and I can't, can't forget his uh, nickname. But uh, even if it's cold, if it's sunny, you know, if it's not snowing, we're still going to get out there and wrap it around. Yeah, that's definitely one of those times, Barrel Roller, where you want to be the club that starts in the coolers. Rudy, Rudy, they ended their season on November fifth against Shut the St. The Louis door. Unions. How was the temperature that day, Paul? <laughs> uh, hey, that was a nice day. We were in the fifties, uh, you know, unseasonably warm uh, for for our. We always sneak one in in November just to say we can, for the same reason you 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 put it out there. You guys play in November? Yeah, we do. You, we are don't. you listening out there, Midwest clubs? <laughs> the the Michigan and Ohio clubs schedule May 
to September. And then you'll get like, some you'll get some that will play a little longer into October a little bit, but no one's doing this. Yeah. I can't get guys to show up for matches in October when it's like 70 degrees and sunny. You can't get people to show up in July, Rudy. Hey, you know what? That's another episode. All right, Barrel Roller. We deal with that anymore. It seems like it's an all-comers thing. Uh, I know that uh, we're going to do that in 2023. We're going to do an 1886 all-comers match. Um, And I think we're going to do that in in June. in St. Louis, we don't have a, a strong league or anything like that. We have a loose club network. And um, Tony uh, Lightning uh, from the Brown Stockings has a, a great meeting facility at his workplace. So just this past weekend, uh, members from the St. Louis clubs uh, and South, Southern Illinois clubs got together and had their scheduling meeting. So uh, Dutch emailed it to me earlier today and rattled off a few. They're going to play underneath the, the uh, arch uh, at the um, underneath the gateway arch on uh, May 7th, I believe. Um, the uh, French Lick uh, outing is scheduled for September 16th and 17th. Uh, we're going to do a trip out to Colorado. Uh, this season and that that'll be an all comers thing from around the St. Louis area. Um, one of our beloved uh, inaugural members, Mule Michael Garrett. Um, he's he's just a great guy and, and uh, outstanding behind. Mule moved out to Cripple Creek a few years ago and uh, joined forces with uh, some of the Colorado clubs. We also had a, a gent from Colorado come here and play on the Union's Cannibal. Um, uh, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I don't even know whose people's legal names are, you know. <laughs> you just refer to him by the nickname. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Cannibal is a, a, a veteran player's son. And um, anyway, we're going out there in June to play at altitude and see how that goes. Um there may even be uh, an opportunity to play the Westerns from Topeka uh, in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, University of Illinois uh, football plays the Kansas Jayhawks in Lawrence at uh, Booth Memorial Stadium uh, next season. And there are three or four of us who have children that attend those schools. My daughter's Jayhawk. But um, if we can coordinate enough stags and or friends to go west to Lawrence you know I I would hope that we'd be able to put together a match with the westerns this is what it's become you know when we travel make contact with a vintage baseball friend in town next thing you know you're going to a show or you're having a beer at the best pizza joint in town it is that's just how it goes anymore that's how it should that's how it should go I agree uh indeed You've uh, been very diplomatic and propping up the St. Louis area. In fact, if Tony Wicker gave you five dollars for every time that you've uh, you've brought him up tonight, you you'd be able to buy him dinner with that money. Uh, but we've got uh, tw- about twenty minutes left, and we haven't gotten into you. This is all but about St. Louis and everything. It is time to learn about you. But before we do, one question. 
Cardinals and Cubs. Every time the Cubs come to town, no matter how bad they are, is that a sellout because of the the rivalry? It, say it again. Is it what? Is it always a sellout because of how big the rivalry is? Most definitely. Yeah, uh, Cubs fans travel well. I mean, they they like to come south. It's uh, not so windy and cold. But uh, yeah, that rivalry um, packs Bush Stadium like no other. Uh, it's uh, it's great to have the Cubs in town. It's fun to go up to Wrigley and, and watch games. Uh, love it when the VBBA had had uh, the opportunity to take some people there. Uh, remember sitting in the same row as a freight train gentleman who passed away not too long ago from uh, Minnesota clubs. Um, but yeah, yeah, the Cubs Cardinal rivalry is uh, always always competitive. A, a, a lot of a lot of smack talk going on, for sure, sure. Sure. All right, let's get into it, Paul. Your very very first memories of the game of baseball. Ooh, um, great question. Listening to KMOX, and that would be the Cardinals uh, flagship broadcast station uh, with my father in our backyard. I was probably four years old. So obviously your father is a baseball fan. You uh, are you playing in neighborhood games in your early years? Yeah, the, the, the most um, uh, when I was a kid, we, I, I was able to live close to a park. Um, it was literally in, in my backyard. I could see what is now Pete Schumacher Field in Trenton, Illinois. I could see it from my bedroom window. So going to uh, the ballpark was literally stepping out of my, into my backyard. I'd take a, a bat and a ball, and I would hit pop flies to myself in the VFW field that was adjacent to uh, Pete Schumacher field. And so you asked about pickup games. Uh, yeah, we, if we had three guys, if we could play an Indian ball match, if we had to have somebody's sister stand in and play, uh, yeah, let's, let's just play ball. I've never heard the expression Indian ball match. What is, what is an Indian ball match? I want to say it's when you have five or seven players and you, you, um, <laughs> you're going to test my recall. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to draw. <laughs> we want here. all of it. We want every bit of it. <laughs> I, I wish I could, I wish I could this, give you more detail. It's a situation that, but, where, uh, and we bring it up here all the time that you cannot go out in your neighborhood and get 17 other guys to get together to play a proper game of baseball. This is never going to happen. So you get how many how many kids you can get, and then you adjust the rules accordingly just so you can play some sort of version of baseball. So we're talking ghost runners. We're talking you can't hit it to right field and all of those uh, kind of rules. Did you have a, a funky rule that was uncommon? No, that, that I mean – that process, it was exactly what I meant when I said Indian ball. We, we'd we have five or seven guys. You couldn't take it to left, couldn't take it to right. You had to hit it somewhere up the middle. 
because there was only one guy on the infield, one guy in the outfield, ghost runners all the time. It sounds like that's where he had the sister standing was up the middle and everybody was just trying to hit the sister. It sounds like that's what's going on without you saying it. No. It okay. It may have happened that way, but again, my memory uh, eludes me. Yeah. So We've, we had, uh, we had some little league teams there uh, played all throughout uh, uh, grade school, middle school, got into, you know, uh, uh, high school sports played, played uh, for Westland um, junior and senior high. And really, I didn't put it enough into it. Uh, I probably had uh, more to play more gas left in the tank to play at a college level, but I didn't. And um, I played a little uh, junior legion, American legion, and a very little bit of what we called county league baseball. Um, I don't recall what the age requirements were, but um, there were some older gents that, uh, that played. We had a guy who threw in the frontier league that was a excellent pitcher and had some higher skill levels there, but for me, at, at, at uh, as a high school senior, I think I played this the summer after that, and then just walked away. Um, never really fell in love with uh, softball. Couldn't slow my swing down. You know, would pop up or strike out and get frustrated and walked away from it. So, at 40 years old, to learn uh, about vintage baseball, man. What a reawakening for me uh, and just the pure joy of going back out and using a wooden bat and um, cracking a ball that uh, I was sold not only with the stags, but just uh, to get to play ball again. Yeah. Talk about that. Talk about how vintage baseball came into your life. You already like we we've gone through it. And then you said at 40 years old, Vintage baseball comes into your life. What was that day, that moment like? Who was it? And who's responsible? Yeah, I, I mentioned it earlier, but it uh, never gets old to talk about. Um, my daughter, Lily, uh, was uh, signed up for Corey League softball here in, in, in uh, Belleville. And uh, the, the manager uh, of the club was Todd Eshman. And uh, he and I got to know each other along with... Um, Brent Kohlenberger, stir fry on our club. His daughter played, uh, and Jeff Hill, crash of the uh, of the stags. So there were there were four stag dads um, on that nine U uh, Belleville Corey League softball club. Nice. And there were like sixteen girls, you know, and we were having to break these skill sessions down and. I felt compelled to lend a hand, you know, I was going into it. My daughter's nine years old and I want to be an influence in her playing ball. And how can I help? I went out and got a bow net, which you can't see it on the screen, but it's still set up over here in the corner of my office and with a tee and some balls and some, uh, some bats, you know, yeah. um, we, we broke them down into groups and they're throwing into one side of the net and hitting into the other side of the net. And we're, we're, trying to give our daughters a, a good softball experience. And uh, lo and behold, we go undefeated. Uh, uh, Dutch is uh, pulling out the mustache over here. He's got one too. And 
and uh, we're we're corralling up the, uh, the summoning the power of the stash. Uh, it's hanging in the dugout, you know, and uh, so we get to know each other through our daughters playing softball. And he tells me, Hey, um, I got this thing going on out here. It's called vintage baseball. And uh, you ought to come out to the moose and, and check it out. We're going to be playing next Saturday. And I had no idea what, what he was talking about. I'm, yeah, I'm like vintage baseball. What, what in the world is that? He explains it to me roughly. I still can't get my head around it <laughs> and go out and, he comes walking around what we now call the stag shack in full 1860 uh, uniform. Actually, it's more like an 1870s federal league uniform. We have knickers uh, that allow us to run a little faster and high socks. But, uh, you know, this is their first season. They're probably two or three uh, events into the season and the uniform's clean and pristine. And I'm like, hang on, man. I've, I, you, you know, I love the sport and you've seen me help train, you know, throw uh, batting practice. The girls were playing. I, where is this coming from? And he's like, yeah, sorry. I had all my buddies lined up. We've got a full nine or 10 or 12 guys. Well, you know, I didn't have to snuff any players out to get a uniform, any, nothing that drastic, but there was a guy that, that uh, played one or two matches and didn't show back up. So he's like, Hey, uh, you should check this out. And again, I bought copious amount of stag beer and was like a Klingon monkey. I just wouldn't let him go. He drug me around on his leg and <laughs> I demanded a uniform. And the next thing you know, I'm on a field at a stagecoach stop outside of Jacksonville, Illinois, um, playing first base for the stags. And, uh, our, our hurler that day, Higgins, uh, pulls me aside and says, hey, watch this guy. I said, well, yeah, I'm watching him. He goes, no, watch this guy. He hits fair fouls. <laughs> what is a fair foul? <laughs> and sure enough, uh, uh, Cool Breeze, um, Gino uh, Cool Breeze from the uh, Springfield Long Nine, proceeds to take about six balls foul. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? I'm, I'm getting this workout down the first baseline. And fortunately he pops up and I'm able to land the ball on my chest and catch it. And uh, I take it back to Higgins and he's like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so it started through Corey league uh, softball and um I was hooked as soon as I saw the uniform and um, heard the crack of the bat. That goes back to 2012. And, um, you know, we had had a, a season or a season and a half with COVID that really didn't exist as everybody went through that. But uh, here we are 10 seasons later. You know, I was 40 uh, at, the, at the time. And I like to run and like to throw. And I injured myself a couple of different ways. You know, Rudy, you talk about uh, uh, how, you know, what, what was a big impact. That was a big impact to me. It, if I couldn't go out and play as hard as I possibly could, I wasn't having fun. I, I, at that point, I wasn't in it necessarily for the love of the game. Uh, and, and I was probably a poor loser. 
Um, I think uh, if you talk to Bob Sampson of the uh, uh, ground squirrels uh, or Zuni, uh, I mean, he told me straight to my face, he goes, I didn't know about y'all. You guys came out and you hit a bunch of, a, a bunch of dingers. And um, I didn't know if I was going to be able to hang with you guys because that, you know, when you have a bad day, you know, you don't want to be a bunch of sore losers. And that made an impression. Um, the injury piece of it, it forced me to get back to the gym. You know, I'd kind of fallen into uh, uh, middle, middle age uh, complacency. Uh, was a weekend warrior. You know, you, you go out and suffer a, uh, a tear or a strain. And next thing you know, you're hurting all week and you can't really play well the next weekend. So I uh, had a friend who was kind of, he wasn't into vintage baseball, but he was ready to get back into the gym. And so, you know, at 41, 42, uh, really got back into working out. So it was, um, it was a good impetus for me uh, to, to focus on physical fitness, to be able to train and play and stay limber. I'd had uh, back surgery in 07 and I needed to get back in the gym. Um, but this was a good uh, motivator for that. And then uh, probably the bigger topic there is to learn how to um, lose gracefully and always have a good time. Um, <laughs> yeah, we play. I remember playing uh, the Deep River Grinders and uh, you couldn't tell if those guys were winning or losing. They were always having a good time. Right. And uh that's that's what's important for us as the stags. We want to cut up. We want to, um, you know, host and have a good time. We always one of our uh, longstanding rules is if we host, we always want to feed a club. So if you come to Swansea and you come to the Moose Lodge, you're going to be uh, welcomed into the social quarters there, and we'll have an opportunity to at least burn a pizza. Um, or, or have a, a pork steak or some bratwurst or some hamburgers and hot dogs. But that's a, that's a, I'll die on a hill uh, before we fail to, to be a good host. Wow. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. That's a long, it's a long way, long way from your original question. Sorry. No, no, no. no. That is the perfect answer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we feel like the aftermatch ritual of a meal and actually talking to the other club which you don't do generally is just as important as the match unless it's a tournament <laughs> but sure oh yeah it's part of I'm the glad match. to hear you say that because there are some other clubs that you know they show up they lace up they play they take the shoes off and they're gone it's like what who is that guy where are those people and and we've we've had we've had guys join our club because their club just didn't prioritize that. Those, um, those guys so got like, a big softball match to get back to. So <laughs> that's what that is. Hey, you brought up Bob Sampson. We, uh, we actually will be interviewing Bob Sampson next season in March or April. Cause he has a book coming out. So, uh, that was a name, but Paul, I think you've named. Oh gosh. Yeah. Droopy, droopy drawers. Uh, and his infamous stink ball. You'll have to ask him about that. Um, the, the ground squirrels are lovable rodents. 
Uh, we always like to say the battle of the rodents when the ground squirrels play the voles, the Vermilion County voles from Danville. Um, <laughs> two great clubs to really learn from. And we've, we've talked to over the years a lot to Bob and to uh, Jim Weed Eater, um, the captain, the, and I think Pepper is now their captain, but uh, Weed Eater was for a long time their, their captain. Those two clubs are the one and two oldest clubs in Illinois, I believe, and a great group of guys. I'm glad you're, you're going to interview Bob next year. His book will be sourced like no other. That guy for years sat in front of his green monster and went through microfilm, and I'm sure he is, his book will be outstanding. Uh, Paul, you've named just about every Belleville stag player tonight and if you don't name everybody you're going to get some hurt feelings so i want you to list off the entire roster off the top of your head no looking i don't know what you're looking at stop looking (laughs) there you know we we've developed a three strikes and you're in policy not all of the guys um uh that i know have have uh made it but there's about 38 guys on our email list And um, so we have, we have bean and beans. Well, that's not Um, confusing at all. (laughs) That's not confusing at all. Please tell Uh, me they play shortstop and second base. (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool? Uh, Bean is generally an outfield scout and beans. uh, He'll play uh, any of the corners. Um, Bean time. What a guy, probably considered the godfather of vintage baseball in the St. Louis area. Uh, fortunately, he lives in Highland, Illinois, and uh, was able to join the Stags uh, two or three seasons ago, and is just a, a wealth of information. But uh, I'll go alphabetically for my own benefit. Oh, do it. We've got Buffalo. Uh, and and while I mentioned Buffalo, he he brings his own herd of boys. We, we've now have a father and three sons so the multi-generation effect is is here uh, buffalo has knuckles gardener and horsepower um, uh, his three sons that play um, i mentioned stir fry we have uh, scrap iron and stella the flying marzinkowski brothers um <laughs> They are, they are uh, uh, inaugural, uh, Stur- Scrap Iron is an, an inaugural member. Um, his uh, brother Stella came a little later, but uh, let's see, we have Monk, who's traditionally one of our hurlers. Uh, we have Higgins, who's also one of our hurlers. Um, I, I would be remiss to say, not to say Duke. Duke is a, what we call a, perfecto defecto he came from the perfectos and uh his real vintage name is the earl of dukey but it seems to have been abbreviated over the seasons to duke that's jim biggs um, oh yeah yeah let's see we we've got uh jackie joe britches we have pebbles we have tex we have doc I mentioned Crash earlier. Uh, we have uh, Squints. Um, 
goodness. I mentioned mule, but we if you ever hear an E-aw out on a field, <laughs> this it's one of those things that'll catch you by surprise. Why in the world am I hearing an E-aw? It's because you've just been muled typically <laughs> on a on a foul tick put out behind the plate. Um and and uh, I wish I could look. I should I should pull out one of our old uh, uh, souvenir guides, and we at one time had uh, a souvenir handout um, that had a, a centerfold of our cards, our baseball cards, our cigarette cards. They were long and slender, uh, and at one nice. point in time, we did pack them with press-on mustaches. Yes, you'll see those uh, over the years. <laughs> Uh, how have Gosh. I not had more to do with St. Louis area baseball? Now I'm just, you know, I, I apologize to the entire St. Louis area for not coming to you earlier to get on this podcast. Uh, I can't even blame Rudy cause Rudy's only been here for half a season. So, uh, that's yeah. my fault and we're going to rectify that in the future. So I, I honestly hope it's something that is rectified throughout the community because like, as I've said, I've, I've traveled to Decatur, Illinois to play the ground squirrels and we have played the perfectos. We have played the St. Louis Maroons. We have played the quick steps. We have played, we, I, I mean, in my experience, we've played so many clubs and we've just never made the trip. And it's really, um, it's a disservice. Because I mean, it sounds like it's thriving, and it's and, and it's a wonderful community to be a part of. Rudy, do you remember? You guys are. Go ahead, go ahead, Paul. Don't heap don't heap so much uh, blame on yourselves. And in, in the words of Thomas <laughs> Jefferson, don't find fault, find a solution. That that's something that I've used in personal and business uh, circles. You know, sage advice one hundred and one. Um, you can't change the past, but you can move forward and come to the St. Louis cup and you can, um, you know, reach out to captains and get to know who, who, uh, you want to play, uh, whether it's guys from the Murfreesboro Clarks in Southern Illinois or the Springfield long nine or the salmon sometimes come down, uh, the, uh, the prairie chickens, in Bloomington, Illinois, our relatively new club. Um, there's a newer club called the Clippers. Uh, they're, they're in Champaign, and they're starting a new season uh, in 2023, a new new club. So, yeah, it's it's growing. It's, it's metamorphosizing. I guess it's evolving in uh, the St. Louis area. Um, and, and the cup's where it's at, as we talked about. So thank you, guys for recognizing again we were just waiting for uh barrel roller to <laughs> add rudy to the team and <laughs> get this uh listening and viewing uh group together so we can begin to promote ourselves here in st louis you're a hell of a salesman paul what do you sell in what no <laughs> you are you sell something you have sold us you've sold the listening audience but in in your life, you sell something. What do you do for a living? <laughs> uh, I, man I manage foreclosures and repossessions for a finance company. And um, we, uh, we're in the housing business. So 
I sell affordable homes, um, mobile homes, uh, land, mobile homes and land, sometimes site built homes that are assets for this finance company. And uh, it's 21st mortgage. Uh, they're based out of Knoxville, Tennessee. So at one point in time, I had all of Tennessee, almost all of Tennessee in my territory. Hence, in 2015, going down and befriending uh, the guys that started up the Tennessee Association of Vintage Baseball. And, um, you know, Mule and I went down in 2015 to the VBBA convention that they threw, which was a notoriously good time. Um, we, I think at one point in time, the Nashville Maroons caps were mistakenly sent to Dutch and the stag caps uh, were sent to roadblock with the uh, Nashville Maroons. Uh, Trapper Haskins and, and uh, Rocky uh, Jackson and Uncle Jesse. I remember howling at the moon with Mule and Uncle Jesse way past closing time uh, there in, in Nashville at that convention. So, you know, I was able to travel and get back and forth, uh, just learn that there's a guy on, on my work team at 21st mortgage who plays for the, uh, uh, the Knoxville host Holstons and, uh, a shout out to beef eater if he's listening there. Um, so yeah, I, I work, uh, in the field, in my own office, which is what you see behind me. Um, I, I have, uh, right now I have responsibilities in Oklahoma, uh, Kansas, uh, Missouri, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. So I travel regionally at one point in time, I had quite a few more states, but um, you know, my responsibility is to recover uh, on the loan balances of default collateral. And so, I find them, I fix them, and I resell them through a network of contractors and, and consignment operators in those states. I knew you sold something. It was just obvious. Uh, a couple of names you brought up whenever somebody brings up a name of somebody that we've had a relationship with on the show. Uh, there is an episode of Tra Trapper Haskins in the archives. There, You did not say his name, but there is an episode with Brad Hughes, the captain of the Maroons. Uh, and we have Rocky Jackson coming up uh, either the end of this season, which is coming up quick, or the beginning of uh, season four. So a lot of familiar names there. Hey, uh, Paul, we're going to get you out of here, let you get back to your, to your family. Uh, but before you go, we're going to give you the old pepper. And because I know you listen to thousands of episodes, you know exactly what this is. No, you don't. Uh, we're going to ask you quick questions with quick answers. And uh, it's a fan favorite. You know, they love this segment. You, you coming at with uh, coming at me overhand or underhand? Vintage pitch or, or modern? Looks like we're coming underhand. Oh, it's going to. It's coming underhand. Yeah, it's going to be a quick. It's going to be a quick vintage pitch. Not accurate, Sweet. though. Don't ask. Don't. I'm not asking where you want it, but it's coming underhand. High or low? First question that's not a quick question, but I had to ask it. I just saw it in my notes. You you and the other fathers that were having your daughters on the same softball team 10 years ago, 
How is there not a Belleville women's team? That's a great question. Uh, we would love to have a, a female team. Um, I will say this though, my daughter, Lily, uh, did dress and play as a stag this past season. Her, her nickname was Dot. Excellent. So uh, that, has, uh, that has an origin back to 2015. My wife, Stacy, hand-stitched a Rockford Peaches uniform for Lily. Um, and she was, uh, she was dotty in, uh, her, her junior high, uh, parade and, and as a Halloween costume, she wore that, uh, a second time, uh, with the stags, um, that year. And she was a bat girl for us. And, uh, one of the reasons why I gotta, I come back at you on this. Uh, one of the reasons why is our girls played high school softball. And we didn't want them to injure their hands. So uh, uh, it was to preserve their ability to play uh, at the level that they're playing in. So uh, Lily is uh, uh, attending the University of Kansas and uh, she played again this she played this past season. Um, her boyfriend Gardner, uh, she and Gardner both dressed and played over in Francis Park in St. Louis. So it may be on the horizon. We have had other ladies dress and play uh, rocks um, at one point in time. And then we had a um, father, mother, and son dress. That would nice. be Scooter. And uh, his wife and, and son uh, did all three dress and play. I think that was in Decatur. But uh, things to look forward to for the Stags. Uh, definitely broken the record tonight, Paul, for the names of as many vintage baseball players as possible. Uh, you've definitely set the record. <laughs> well, I can add one more. Uncle Buzz, it's his birthday today. All right. Happy birthday, Uncle Buzz. Oh, happy birthday, Uncle Buzz. Here we go. There you go. <laughs> Paul, what is a terrible Thanksgiving traditional dish that you do not like? Ooh, ooh. Um, you, you can hold... <laughs> You can hold on the the uh, cranberry casserole, whatever whatever you want, cranberry dish when it's coming out of the can and you just slice it up like that. I'll pass. I'd rather have some traditional cranberry chutney. What is your favorite vintage baseball field to play on? Wow, that is a great question. Um, there's many, uh, and to narrow it down, I'd be doing somebody some disjust. Uh, Let injustice. me rephrase it then. So let me help you out. I'm going to throw you a life preserver. Name one of your favorite fields to play on. Beautiful Trobaugh Field in Rock Springs Conservatory, which is just outside of Decatur, Illinois. Uh, the St. Louis Arch, overrated. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> the museum underneath the arch has uh, recently been revitalized. Um, and when you play underneath the arch, like we did this past year and look forward to in 2023, um, it, it's, it's uh, awe-inspiring. You're, you're playing literally home plate is between the legs of the arch. Uh, you're looking under the... Um, the old courthouse and uh other other places there and man you get like 
10,000 people in a day walking past. What is, what was the first concert you ever went to? Well, there were probably others, but the Boston uh, played at the old Checker Dome in St. Louis. Uh, that was that would have been my first memorable rock concert. What was what is your favorite club to play against? One of them. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely going to go with our our friends in Springfield. Uh, the Long Nine have always been a club that we can cut up with. Uh, and you see guys from the Long Nine playing with the Salmon and, and now joining forces with the uh, the Ground Squirrels. So it's kind of a, a, a one in three or three in one answer. But the, the Long Nine are always a blast to play against and with. We'll take it. How do you eat an Oreo cookie? Definitely split it apart. Uh, get the cream filling out and uh, then crunch on the uh, outer edges. Uh, if I have milk, it will be dunked. Okay. Uh, what are you asking Santa for for Christmas? Um, for peace and goodwill amongst men. Oh, jeez. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been a long time since I wrote a list to Santa. How you get anything then? I mean, there's a process, Paul. <laughs> I don't think you appreciate the process. Uh, yeah, thank you for reminding me of that. Do you do any cooking for your Thanksgiving? Um, I spatchcocked and smoked a turkey um, uh, a season or two ago, and uh, my wife says she'll handle it from there. She'll uh, take that indoors. Nice. Uh, what was your first car? Oh, well, it's uh, uh, right below me here in the roost. It's uh, a 1972 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme convertible. Nice. Uh, what is your favorite sandwich? If I'm in a rush, it's going to be a number 10 Hunter's Club at uh, Jimmy John's. Okay. What is the best place? You cannot answer Jimmy John's to this question. Uh, final question. What is the best place for a ball player to eat in Belleville? The Beast Craft Barbecue. Yes. It just sounds like a place you have to go and eat at. Yeah, I was going to ask about barbecue, but yeah. Well, there are many places in St. Louis uh, to enjoy a good barbecue. The Beast actually has a, a location across the river now. But uh, David Sandusky is the owner's name, and uh, he was a pitmaster and learned from the pitmaster at Pappy's, which is downtown St. Louis. Great place if you're in downtown St. Louis. Check it out. Uh, they sell out quick, though, so go early. Uh, but if you're in Belleville, uh, no place better for barbecue over here than the Beast. And that's going to do it. We made it. Paul, thank hey. you so much for joining the show. Uh, I'm sorry it fell through a year ago, but I'm sorry, not sorry, because this worked out much better than it would have. And uh, we, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Rudy, tell him. Yeah, I, honestly, Paul, you didn't know this heading into this uh, interview while you were in the waiting room, but uh, 
Barrel Roller and I had got a, a, a kick in the gut uh, during the warm-up. And there was a lot of pressure on you for this interview. And I just got to say, you lifted my spirits. You Absolutely. restored my faith yes. in humanity and the community of vintage baseball. It was just a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. I'm sorry you got a kick in the gut, guys. But, uh, hey, it's a, a pleasure being on the show. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Please come to St. Louis and and let's uh, let's take it to the next step. I love it. Uh, love yeah, it. when you listen back to this episode, uh, you're going to hear why we got kicked in the gut because there's a short interview before your interview uh, with a gentleman very aware of the situation at the Field of Dreams site, and we talk about all the negativity around that and the future, and it's not bright. So that's the kick in the gut. But you did and great. And honestly, you lifted our spirits. You, you were amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, you know what? I'll get us out of here. For the barrel roller, I'm the Swamp Fox. And I just want to say, keep it station to station, and we'll see you out in the field. Yeah. Thanks, guys. This is Rooster signing off. Appreciate your time. Take care, Rooster. Recording stopped. Hey, Paul, you, hey, have a great evening, dude. Thank you so much. You know if 